From the Alliance for Affordable Energy website, Logan Burke is the Executive Director of the Alliance for Affordable Energy, the Louisiana Ratepayer Advocacy Organization. Since joining the Alliance in 2013, Ms. Burke has worked on consumer protection and energy issues, including efficiency, resource planning, distributed energy resources like rooftop solar, and general regulatory matters pertaining to the City of New Orleans and the Louisiana Public Service Commission. So the Alliance for Affordable Energy will be hosting the Renewable Energy Portfolio Standards Symposium this Saturday, the 15th of June, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Tulane Law School, which is at 6329 Ferret Street. Um, and again from the website, um, they say we plan this event as a starting point for assisting residents and groups to participate in shaping a new plan that is being considered by the City Council. This plan focuses on developing a renewable energy portfolio standard for New Orleans that switches the energy we use from fossil fuels to renewable solar, wind, or geothermal energy. This plan can be designed to increase affordable housing, create innovative jobs, and tackle energy poverty burdening residents and neighborhoods. All right, so Logan Burke, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Um, yeah, of course. Okay, hold on. I'm getting, I'm trying to make sure you're loud enough here. Oh, okay. This is going to be great. Let me try that one more time. Right. Burke, thank you so much for speaking sure. with us today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Okay. There you are. Okay. Could you tell us a little bit about the Alliance for Affordable Energy? Who's involved and um, what kind of things you work on? You bet. So the Alliance is a consumer and environmental advocate around energy issues in the whole state of Louisiana. Um, so for 33 years, we have represented the interests of residents and small commercial electricity customers. Um, that means when it comes to finding ways to reduce energy bills and energy burdens, we encourage energy efficiency programs. We encourage rules to allow you to put solar on your rooftop. Mm -hmm. We encourage utilities to, um, to and, and their regulators to devise rates that encourage energy savings and find ways to reduce our, our dependence on fossil fuels in the state. And so um, we have a, a really broad and diverse set of members for our organization. Mm -hmm. but we really reach out to uh, neighborhood associations, rotary clubs. We talk to, obviously, the elected officials who make these regulatory decisions. That's the New Orleans City Council here and the Louisiana Public Service Commission, who are all elected officials. Um, and we also talk directly with utilities to try and encourage them um, to, to uh, adopt more modern energy systems mm -hmm. that are better for everybody. <clears throat> and and that looks like pretty much, when you talk about utilities, we're just talking about Entergy, basically? So in New Orleans, we're just talking about Entergy, but across the state, we're also talking about uh, Clico, mm -hmm. uh, which is scattered throughout the state. There's uh, some Clico territory on the North Shore. There's some in central Louisiana, um, some along the coast. There's also SWEPCO. SWEPCO mm -hmm. is another large investor-owned utility. They're mostly up in the northwest corner of the state, up in Shreveport. And then, of course, we also have cooperative utilities. There are uh, 10 co-op utilities. So that means that everybody who um, pays an electricity bill to a co-op is also a member and mm -hmm. therefore a voting voice in how their energy systems are managed and supplied and so on. And so um, all of these different energy systems are, um, are regulated uh, outside of New Orleans. They're regulated at the Public Service Commission. But here in New Orleans, Entergy New Orleans um, is regulated by the New Orleans City Council. Okay, and that, that actually segues really well into the next question that I wanted to ask you about that's um, 
which which is just sort of about my vague understanding of some news stories where I've been seeing energy showing up in the last year. But in April, yeah. um, Councilman uh, Helena, Helena Moreno uh, announced that she wanted to overhaul the way that energy policy would be made in New Orleans um, because the city problematically has largely contracted that out to uh, energy-involved consultants. Um, has that moved forward at all? Could you just talk a little bit about what, what that meant and if that's still even a ball that's in the air? Sure. So um, what Councilmember Moreno uh, was talking about in a couple of different uh, reports from the lens is that for over 30 years, there are just a handful of very well-paid consultants who are working out of Washington, D.C. for the most part and mm -hmm. out of Denver um, who are the, the advisors to the city council on how the council regulates Entergy New Orleans. And we spend between six and a half to seven million dollars a year here in New Orleans on those advisors. And so council member Moreno, um, following some investigative journalism by the lens, said, you know what, it's time uh, we change that. It's time we bring some of those dollars home to New Orleans and we beef up what's called our Council Utility Regulatory Office, which means mm -hmm. build the bench of people who are knowledgeable about how this stuff should work here in New Orleans, uh -huh. um, and, and try and change how we look at all of this stuff. So historically, um, you know, we're, we're getting all of this advice from folks who, as again, for the most part, don't live here, um, and we're, we're paying a pretty penny for it. And there's, there's a lot of local interest and a lot of local expertise already, but there's a real opportunity to grow that. And New Orleans really is a, an anomaly in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, we're the only city in the country where the city council regulates an investor-owned utility, mm -hmm. the only one. Um, the closest analog we have is Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. where, of course, they don't have a public service commission that is controlled by a state. They have their own public service commission. Right. Um, but that is right there in the District of Columbia. So um, that's the closest thing that is even remotely similar. And so looking at how Washington, D.C. has been able to manage the regulation of, of their investor-owned utility um, and, and plenty of other utilities as well outside of electricity, um, Councilmember Moreno, among others, is interested in finding ways to, to follow that model and save us all an awful lot of money. Uh -huh. And I would imagine come out with, with policies that might be more reflective to the needs of, of energy users here in New Orleans. Yeah, that's right. And so we have expected for the Council Utility Regulatory Office, which is often called CURO, uh -huh. um, which is an office right there in City Hall, um, Councilmember Moreno uh, directed that office to come up with a, a plan, both a short-term and long-term plan, to start reorienting some of those dollars into City Hall so that that knowledge base can be built here in New Orleans. Um, we'll be interested. We're expecting to hear something about that plan this summer, uh -huh. um, and that's as much as I know so far. Wow. Um, okay, and then another question that just, you know, uh, based on headlines that I've read over the last year, but that I've been interested in, and you were talking a little bit about cooperatives uh, before, but what's this the, the community solar program that's been sort of brought up in the council every once in a while over the last year? Oh, that's a great question. So community solar is, um, is a mechanism that is growing across the country, mm -hmm. but has not really 
had an opportunity to play in our region, in the Gulf Coast. Uh, and what it means is that rather than depending on the utility itself to procure renewables, um, a community uh, can invest in and own solar resources or other renewable resources and, mm-hmm. and reduce their bills, lock in um, the, the cost of that energy over time. And this is going like gangbusters in, in other parts of the, the country, like even in Minnesota, where you might think, oh, community solar in Minnesota. No, it's mm-hmm. doing very well. Cool. And yeah, and so the city council at, um, at our recommendation last year created a rulemaking and back in March, they approved a rule that will enable community solar to happen here in New Orleans. Okay. And so for the first time, that's the first community solar opportunity um, that anybody has seen in our region. And so right now we're working through and Entergy is working on the implementation plan for how they will, um, how those savings will show up on our bills. Okay. But what this will really mean is that the, the majority of folks who live in New Orleans who are renters, who can't put solar on their rooftops, will now have access to, to solar in a way that they haven't before uh-huh. and have a way to lock in those savings um, for, for many years to come. That sounds really cool. I just, I wanted to, to back up for one second. When you, when you say region, you mean sort of like the Gulf states or like I mean, I mean the, I mean the Gulf states. I mean, there, to my knowledge, there aren't any uh, community solar programs available in Texas, uh-huh. Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama. I don't believe there's any yet in Georgia, although Georgia is moving pretty quickly on on solar. And I don't believe there's a rule yet in Florida either. And so, wow. um, yeah. So this is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and we're really excited to see this move forward in New Orleans. We've always been really um, interested in finding ways to um, leverage a more forward-looking regulator here in New Orleans uh-huh. to get better policy at the state level. So that has worked on things like um, energy efficiency programming, and we're hoping it happens the same way on community solar so that folks across the state of Louisiana can also do things like community solar. Cool. Um, so now, in a related, I would also be curious to hear like in what particular ways related. But um, now you're advocating specifically for something that's called renewable portfolio standards. Uh, what does that mean? Yeah. So a renewable portfolio standard is a a way a regulator, whether or or a legislature, um, tells and uh, makes a decision about how much renewables um, will be adopted in that area over the course of time. So, for example, um, in, in lots of states, for example, in California, they have had a renewable portfolio standard for quite some time. And the plan was over time, um, you know, in the first five years to adopt 10% of their, uh, of their energy mix to be renewables, and then 20% and 30% and so on by a time certain, rather than just saying, as a state or as a regulator, you know, it sounds like a good idea, let's do it. They've made very clear specific targets and they've tied those targets to penalties or incentives to to really require utilities to start adopting renewables. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the majority of states now have something, either a renewable portfolio standard, which is, as I said before, a requirement or a mandate with a penalty involved, 
And then there are also eight states that have a renewable uh, portfolio goal, which is more like a sort of a, a recommendation or a suggestion, but it doesn't have any penalties or rewards for the utilities built in. Um, we find that in states that have the 29 states that have standards or mandates, at least, um, that what's really interesting is that the adoption of renewables is happening even faster than those mandates uh -huh. because um, because the costs of renewables are falling so quickly. And right now, the cheapest energy you can buy uh, is uh, per kilowatt hour is wind and in many places also solar. And so what we're seeing is a really speedy adoption of mm -hmm. in those states that have renewable portfolio standards, um, a transition away from the fossil fuels um, that we've relied on all this time. Mm -hmm. and, and this might be a silly question, but, but why is that energy cheaper? So one of the reasons is that I like to call renewables a, a, a fuel-free resource. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to something like a gas plant or a coal plant or even a nuclear plant, where um, over the course of the life of the plant, you have to buy fuel, right? You've got to yeah. buy the gas, you've got to buy the coal, you've got to buy the nuclear fuel. Mm -hmm. um, once you've installed a solar facility or once you've installed a wind turbine, you don't have to buy fuel anymore. That fuel is free for the taking. Yeah. That, that wind and solar is available um, and there's no concern about a volatility of an international market as mm -hmm. we are, are more and more concerned about uh, natural gas and coal. Um, and there's no concern about, you know, what will happen if a market constricts. It's there for the taking. Uh -huh. Another thing that reduces the cost um, are lower costs for operations and maintenance. So when you're dealing with what's called thermal plants, which are for the most part those, um, those fossil fuel burning plants, there's, a, there's an awful lot of, of maintenance required to keep those things up and running. Mm -hmm. the, um, it's not quite so true when it comes to, um, to solar and wind. There's a lot less maintenance to be done, and therefore the costs um, are, are lower. And, and then the last thing I would say is that um, the, originally, or for many years, the costs of wind and solar were higher because they were maybe not the incumbent uh, style of generating electricity. They weren't the way that everybody did it. Mm -hmm. And so wind and solar and geothermal and hydro and all these other things um, had some learning to do, had some market share to grow and, and had lots of work to do to bring the cost down. But what's incredible is that in the last seven or eight years, the cost of, of solar has fallen 80-something percent. I mean, those it's really astounding to see. Mm -hmm. um, and wind has also fallen pretty dramatically. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so what we're seeing is that uh, in, in years past, those costs were, were higher, and there was a worry that, oh, you know, if we try and add these renewables, it's just going to make our bills higher. Uh, it's just not true anymore. Mm -hmm. And so what we're really seeing is even in our analysis, um, of what a renewable portfolio standard could do for New Orleans, instead of being uh, an additional cost, we think that it will be a savings to New Orleanians. Mm -hmm. That's great. So, um, okay, so you're back to the sort of specifically the event on Saturday. Um, you're going to be discussing renewable sure. portfolio standards. 
Um, what organizations are involved uh, sort of in, in, in putting this event together and, and having these conversations with you, and, and who's invited? Sure. So I want to start with who's invited because mm -hmm. it's everybody. Um, we really encourage anybody who has been interested in something like a Green New Deal, mm -hmm. anybody who's been interested in um, how to improve our housing stock and affordable housing, mm -hmm. anybody who's interested in the future and resilience uh, of our city uh, is invited. Uh, it's free to the public and lunch will be served. Um, the event is going to be held at Tulane Law School. We're really uh, appreciative of the school opening up their doors to, to allow for space for, um, for this event. Mm -hmm. um, and then to talk a little bit about who's been involved, uh, we've been very fortunate to have both local and national partners involved in not only the symposium, but filing comments to the council to support uh, what an RPS, a Renewable Portfolio Standard, would look like in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So some of those partners locally are uh, the Deep South Center for Environmental Justice, mm -hmm. um, 350 New Orleans, also um, the Greater New Orleans Foundation. Mm -hmm. We've been grateful to them for some support for some of our community partners to be involved. Um, also, a local solar installer called Posigen uh, has been engaged in this. And then on the national scale, we've had the Union of Concerned Scientists and both Solar and Audubon. Um, that's not Audubon that we think of that has the aquarium and the mm -hmm. zoo, but that's Audubon National. That's okay. the, the organization that has um, millions of members who are interested in a, a cleaner energy future um, in, in the interest of, of protecting uh, birds and other wildlife. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, it's going to be a pretty great symposium. We've got panels uh, from local advocates on everything from housing to communities and equity. Um, we will be talking about the comments that have been filed thus far and, and weighing in. We're going to do a, what we call an RPS 101 uh, from our friends at Union of Concerned Scientists who will tell us what's been happening in these uh, RPSs around the country and, and, and the, the benefits that they've brought to communities. Um, and then we're also going to do some, um, some interactive uh, um, parts of, of the agenda where uh, community members will have an opportunity to, to weigh in about their priorities and what mm -hmm. they want to see in this. You know, do people really want to see and prioritize um, renewables that are right here in New Orleans that encourage resilience after an end before storms. Mm -hmm. Do we want to see um, solar on uh, affordable and multifamily housing mm -hmm. to make sure that, that folks who are bearing really tremendous energy burdens who are paying as much as 20 to 25 percent of their income on their electricity bills, how can we bring those costs down and make this an equitable, uh, a more equitable city? We're going to be talking about that. So, um, we're really excited, uh, and we really hope to to encourage lots of community input um, because we and and all the partners who are involved in this, we don't think that um, a, a, any kind of energy um, energy systems that aren't coming from input from the people um, are what the people will um, will want to see, will want to pay for, mm -hmm. um, and. You know, frankly, what we don't, what we would like to do is have a different kind of energy system um, and and regulatory structure uh, than what led us down this path with the, the natural gas 
uh, power plant fight that's been ongoing for the last three years. Yeah. We we want more community input, and we think that this is the, the step in the right direction. Awesome. Well, um, so I guess just to wrap up, is there any other information for folks who would want to get involved or stay informed about the Alliance for <coughs> Affordable Energy's work, or anything else you want to make sure people hear who are listening? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you can get more information about the Alliance at all the number four energy.org or just all for energy.org. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, just search Alliance for Affordable Energy or All for Energy. You can find us on Twitter. We really like to list up what's happening around the country on our Twitter page and weigh in about where Louisiana should, should be fitting in, especially considering um, how vulnerable we are in the face of this climate crisis and, mm-hmm. and what we can be doing to solve it. Um, and so check us out on the website, check out uh, all the things that we're doing, um, and definitely um, uh, engage with the, the Renewable Portfolio Standard uh, Facebook event. Let us know that you're coming so that we've got enough food for you. Awesome. All right, Logan Burke, thank you so much for speaking with us this morning. You bet. Thanks so much for the opportunity. All righty. The Alliance for Affordable Energy Renewable Energy Portfolio Standard Symposium, again, is going to be this Saturday, the 15th of June, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Tulane Law School at 6329 Ferret Street. Lunch will be served. Electricity, 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 electricity.